Welcome to today's episode of Let Me Be Brief. I'm your co-host, Andy Rieger of J. Rieger & Co. Drinking whiskey today, joined as always by my good buddy and drinking buddy, Matt Basinger of Swell Spark. We're in the Let It Fly Media Studios, and today's episode, as always, is brought to you by the wonderful Jackie Wise of Emprise Bank, where Jackie is like a mother to all of us, and we love her to death. Today's guest is someone that I've gotten to know recently. He has my brain, not Matt's brain. It's Dan Crum. Dan is the CFO of an organization you may have heard of, the Kansas City Chiefs. Dan, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Andy and Matt. Thank you. Uh, pleasure to be here and I look forward to uh, talking today. Absolutely. Appreciate you making time. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump right in. Uh, as bizarre of a question it is, what... I'll preface by saying a lot of people obviously look at sports and assume that it's this weird, bizarre world that is incredibly different from normal business and that it's just celebrities and all these things. And I think what I have found is it is, it's business, right? And so uh, as the CFO of the Chiefs, uh, what, what do you do and maybe just let us under the hood of what it is like to work in professional sports? Sure. So um, as CFO, I have uh, following areas under my responsibility. I oversee finance, as you would imagine, technology, so IT, and then strategy and analytics. So, uh, yeah, we touch basically the, the uh, departments that I oversee, we touch everything. We touch the entire organization, whether it's through budgeting, forecasting, whether it's technology, what we implement throughout the organization, or whether it's, you know, analytics and strategy. Uh, through business planning, through working with the data that we receive. Um, so, you know, as far as what we do and what the, the club, the organization does, you know, we're an NFL team, uh, but we do more than that. So that's what we're most known for is being a football team, but we also have a charitable foundation. We also have an events business that we host uh, concerts, soccer matches, um, you know, monster truck jams, uh, barbecue fest. You name it, we host it at Arrowhead Stadium. So we have, those are our main business lines, being a football team, then also being an event business, and then also a charitable foundation. And there's two sides of the business. There's the side that is public, that everyone knows, that everyone is following really closely. We're filming this in mid-March of 2022. Free agency is buzzing. You don't do anything with that. When you talk about budgeting, when you talk about IT, when you talk about strategy, you're talking about the business. You're not talking about players, correct? Right. So um, as far as on the strategy and the budgeting and all that piece, we budget for the entire organization. Um, now, as far as like salary cap, free agency, we leave that to the general manager and his football administration staff. So the way I try to, you know, uh, sort of draw a parallel is if I was a CFO of a hospital, you wouldn't want me in the operating room. Yeah, so we leave that to the surgeons and the, the people who are really skilled at that. And same thing here with the chiefs. Yeah, we leave that up to Brett Veach and his crew. Um, so they handle that. What we do is just give the parameters. Here's the overall budget. Here's the overall numbers that we're trying to, the targets we're trying to hit. And then we let them go ahead and put all the pieces together and kind of put that puzzle together in the best way. So it's a fascinating role. It's really the business of sports. A lot of people are probably very envious of your job in general. What is your background, Dan? How did you get here to the point that you became the Kansas City Chiefs CFO? What was your career trajectory? Sort of walk us through all that. Sure. So um, undergrad degree in finance, um, MBA, um, 
you know, worked at KPMG for about four years, just out of grad school, and then worked a number of private industry jobs uh, until you know, my break and the way I got into sports happened right after Hurricane Katrina. So in 2005, Katrina hit New Orleans. I was a CFO of a bottled water company. Um, our bottling plant was destroyed, and so yeah, our company was sold, and then I uh, started looking for another job. And I reached out to the person that was the managing partner of KPMG when I was there. And I didn't know at the time, but he was the uh, financial advisor for the owner of the New Orleans Hornets NBA team. And so they were relocating back from Oklahoma City to New Orleans, needed a CFO. He got me into the interview process. Uh, they made me an offer. And that was my start in professional sports. Um, and then that gave me the experience so that when the Kansas City Chiefs were looking for a CFO, I had the sports experience. I had kind of gotten around and you know developed a network and, and some contacts and some people. And so I got into the process and then went through the process, met with ownership and president, et cetera, and then um, got the offer to come to the Chiefs. And um, yeah, been blessed to be here. I'm here 12 years now. I'm getting ready to go into my 13th season with wow. the Chiefs. And um, it's, a, it's a real blessing to work for the organization, uh, the Hunt family, and to be part of something that is a, just a, a real treasure, you know, and, and, and to see the, you know, the excitement that's generated and how passionate our fans are. It's just a real blessing to be in that and also to be one you know, of 32 NFL teams in the world. So I grew up in a different state that had a different AFC West team that will not be named. Um, but one of the things, you know, being in Kansas City now for 20 years, like... Is that you're a Chiefs fan? Uh, is I am. I have, I have converted. Uh, it was a long process. We're not talking as so much about football today, though. But one of the things that I, I don't think anyone could argue against is Arrowhead and the community, the Kansas City community and the way that they support the Chiefs and the way that the Chiefs supports Kansas City is unlike anything that I have ever seen. And, and I've been able to travel a lot and we have locations all over the country. Um, as far as your day-to-day -day role, as far as making sure, hey, is this good, you know, obviously for the football team, but how, how can we partner appropriately with the community? How can we do events that are gonna drive community engagement? How can we make sure that we have the best tailgating scene in the country? Um, what are those conversations like as far as priority one, more than likely being the chiefs, but like, that's what, eight, 12 days a year that you're hosting a home game. And so how do you activate and plan for turning this amazing community gathering space into something that is so much more than just a football stadium? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. So first, it takes a lot of people. It takes a lot of different departments uh, working together to create that experience. But we have to give the credit to the fans because they they have built this culture in the parking lots, that tailgating culture, it starts there. So the tailgating culture starts outside hours before kickoff. And in fact, if you've ever been to Arrowhead at a, you know, for a game on a, on a game day and you come super early, so noon kickoff, 6 a.m., there's people mm -hmm. lined up on Raytown Road and Blue Ridge Cutoff and all the different streets surrounding the stadium waiting to get in. Um, and that happens every game. Uh, so they come prepared, they're passionate. We get, we get people from all over the world that come in and talk to us about how great this culture is and how exciting it is to be here and to be at this stadium. Um, but that's really the fans are, are the ones that are responsible. What we do is we try to create the best experience for them. So when they come into the stadium, 
whether it's from the pregame activities, the flyovers when we have when, when we're allowed to have flyovers, uh, you know, those types of things, to all the way through the game, and just making sure that the experience is memorable, that they have all the things that they need. So, you know, back in 2013, for example, we didn't have Wi-Fi in the stadium, so we it, we we installed a complete Wi-Fi system. It's great, um, by the way. Well, thank you, thank you. We we take a lot of pride in that. So our IT team, um, we're we're kind of like when we compare our stadium to others in that Wi-Fi world, um, we compete with the with the biggest, and we compete with you know, stadiums that have hosted Super Bowls as far as how much data we, you know, how much traffic we move, and how you know flawlessly and um, how well our our systems work. And that's a credit to all the people that work in this building, but. It's so many different people who work together to create that game day experience. And we have employees that have been with us for, we actually, we just had an employee appreciation event and we had one employee who just celebrated his 50th year working for the Chiefs. (laughs) So, um, and he retired. So, and we gave him a jersey with his name and the number 50 on it. Um, And we, we, yeah, so we see, our fans are passionate, but our employees are passionate. And so when you have that mix of fan passion, employees passionate to be there, and that, that combines so that that game day experience is electric. And that's one thing that I tell people a lot is my walk from the practice facility to the stadium on game days is, is one of the most exciting things you know, in, in, in the entire week for me is just that walk and to see our fans the passion and then get in the stadium and you've got 70,000 dressed in red and, and cheering and you know how much this team means to this community and these fans. And so, and it's all about the fans for us. They give us energy and we try to give them energy back. So uh, being a, a CFO, finance, you know, it's, it's kind of a different realm. We're not probably dealing with debt offerings and things along those lines. Um, but the NFL is such an interesting business as a whole. You're a CFO of the Kansas City Chiefs, but you have a whole different, another set of bylaws. It's almost like you're a, a McDonald's franchisee where you're watching the finances of the individual unit, but you have to play by a bigger set of rules as well. What are some of the nuances of being an NFL CFO that people wouldn't necessarily inherently just understand is a whole aspect of your job? I mean, you and I, when we had happy hour one time, you talked about how they the NFL has auditors and they're looking at the chief's bank statements to make sure that improper payments aren't even being made to players along the way or things like that. What are those little bits and pieces that the listeners would be like, wow, I had no idea that to that level of detail it was even done. Yeah. So great question. Um, you know, we're, we're sort of like a regular business in many ways, but you know, it's a good analogy of trying to say like a franchisee because we're a franchise. We're part of, you know, we're, there's 32, we have a, a team and there's 31 others. Um, there are a number of things that are kind of uh, different. So as far as like when we present our financial statements, we prepare our statements, you know, in accordance with GAAP. And then they're all rolled up into a format that's called the, combi- uh, the conforming financial statements. So all 32 clubs roll the financial statements into this conformed so that we can look at them in a way of, okay, they're all equal. It's a level playing field as far as what's being reported. So you get a good, clean report from every club. Do you have the same set of auditors that you all have to utilize so that they are taught by the NFL, like here is our conforming standards? 
No, we don't have the same, but uh, there are a number of clubs that use the same auditors. So, for instance, you know, there's clubs that use, there's two or three clubs that use the same firm we use, and then there's other clubs that use, um, so there's really about, you know, you can imagine the big four, uh, and then there's, you know, a handful of smaller regional firms that do audits for clubs, but at the end of the day, they all have a conformed set that they have to look at, and there's so many different, so as far as differences too, uh, when you look at all the different reporting we have to do, we have to do a number of agreed upon procedures that other companies wouldn't have to do. So we have to provide an ownership schedule and, and certify that, debt schedule, uh, gross receipts schedule, um, you know, all these different pieces. We have a collective bargaining agreement agreed upon procedure. Um, there's a number, we have our financial statement audit and then we have uh, our 401k audit. So we have probably by the time it's all over, seven or eight different procedures and audits that we go through starting in April and ending at June 30th. Uh, that takes up quite a bit of time, and that's for every club. How different is your job year over year based on how the team is performing, right? You've been with the club long enough that we've had some years that have been absolutely incredible and some years that haven't been quite as incredible. And so does that change your day-to-day -day work, or does your day-to-day -day look largely the same regardless of how the on-field performance is? So our day-to-day -day looks largely the same because we're always in a, a culture and a mindset of planning and preparing for success. Yeah. And our preparation, whether we're, you know, 12 and four, four and 12, you know, nowadays it would be five and 12 or 12 and five, but doesn't, doesn't matter because we're still doing the same thing to provide the best experience and to be prepared for when we hit success. So, you know, going back to 2018, 19, 2021, you know, hosting four straight AFC championship mm -hmm. games, it was the it was the work that we were doing back in 2010, 11, 12 and forward that got us prepared and in a position to be able to host those games when the success hits. So, our our job is really largely the same year over year. Um, but there are some things obviously when success hits and you're in a position to where you know, things are really, really going well. And so for us, we had to look at different ways. We were sold out of all of our suites and we had to look at uh, different ways to create some, some revenue, some, mm -hmm. some inventory, because we were running out of inventory in the stadium when we hit this real big you know, phase of success in the franchise's history. So it kind of shifted a little bit. We were prepared, but now it's sort of, let's move up to the next level. Let's yeah. go walk the stadium and figure out where can we create new spaces. Mm -hmm. And so out of that came two new clubs that we created on the club level. Um, and then we also added tailgate suites out in the parking lot. Yeah. So we have 10 of those now. We, we uh, increased the size of our tailgate district. So there, there are things like that, that when that success hits, you're preparing for it. But then when you get to that next level, you're looking, you're even looking harder and, and more you know, detailed and more directed at, okay, where else are there opportunities? When you have those new opportunities, right, adding Wi-Fi to the whole stadium, I imagine is not inexpensive. Is that something that you're calling up, you know, the Emprise banks of the world and, and trying to take out a line? Is that coming purely out of cash flow? Uh, how do you plan and project for those things? Yeah, so we we try to, as far as forecasting out, we, we forecast out five years. We okay. forecast cash flow, income statement, everything five years. So. You're probably 100% accurate every time, right? Yeah. <laughs> to the I'd, I'd love to say that, Andy, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I can't own that. But, um, you know, it's it's something that we plan out five years, and we look at 
what are the things that we need to be doing? So we just recently finished up a three-year plan of you know, major renovations to the stadium, including all new seating, a Hall of Honor renovation, locker room renovation, scoreboard refurbs. Um, so we did all that and we plan for that as much as possible um, out of operating cash flow. And then sometimes there, there are times when you have to uh, borrow to do that, but it just depends on how big the projects are and sure. where you are as far as in, in your cash flow cycles. Are you guys borrowing from banks or are you guys borrowing from ownership? No, we have, a, so most clubs have a line of credit, either through the league-wide credit facility or through a bank that they deal with locally, they may have a, a partnership with, but um, it's it just depends. But for us, we, we really run with very little debt um, and, and we try to do everything we can out of operating cash flow. Uh, but you know, I can't really go into any details, but sure, we, we, do, we do what we can um, you know, on these bigger projects. Do you guys feel that any of the, the global issues going on, whether it's sort of coming to the end of COVID, trying to expand into the Chinese market, the whole Russia-Ukraine war, is any of that gonna have negative impacts, do you feel, on the upcoming 2022 NFL season? You know, it, preliminarily, I don't, I don't think it's going to impact domestically as much as it could internationally. So for instance, we just uh, were awarded, uh, the NFL recently opened up international home markets uh, for clubs to bid on, and we bid on Germany and Mexico, and we received both Germany and Mexico as international home markets for us. So um, we don't know yet, it's undetermined to see what that's going to have what impact that's going to have on Germany and the ability to play a game in Germany. So um, we're actually doing we're going to be going to Germany. We've got some people going to Germany soon. Um, we've been in communication and we've been you know, we've got a, a German Instagram, Facebook and Twitter sites open. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're really bullish on what's going to happen in Germany and Mexico. And there are other markets that the league opened. They've been in London for, for a number of years now. They've also opened up Australia, Brazil, Canada, um, Spain. So the, the thrust, the direction of the NFL is that international now. They're really trying to cultivate the game of American football internationally. Um, so there may be some impact. It's, it's, it's hard to tell. We'll have to see you know, if there's impact in Germany or not. Yep. Uh, my, my last question, what is the biggest difference that you've discovered between your time working as a CFO in the NBA and a CFO working in the NFL? I would say the biggest is the game day experience. And so in the NFL, you have you know, roughly 10 home games per year and then playoffs plus playoffs. In the NBA, you have 41 plus playoffs. So the game day experience is very different. It's much more condensed. Whereas the NFL, it's a full day. It starts early in the morning and ends after you know, the game concludes. NBA, most of your fans are coming from work or school or home. There's not tailgating. Uh, they just go to the game, go to, and then they leave. Um, so there's a big difference there. It's a much smaller setting, more intimate. Um, it's enclosed. Uh, so those are some of the bigger differences. Um, I would say as far as the NBA product, you know, when you look at an NBA game, when you go to a game, there's a lot of different things, a lot of activities and elements going on. Every time there's a timeout, half times, et cetera, there's a lot of different pieces that are happening. Whereas in the NFL, it's really focused on the, on the field and the game on the field. Um, 
So, but I, I think those are the bigger differences. As far as behind the scenes, it's really very similar. What we do, um, we have what's called the conforming statements in the NFL, NBA, it's called combined financial okay. statements, and it's same principles. Uh, I, I lied, I have one more question. Your five-year uh, cash flow projections, do those include either a new stadium or putting a dome on Arrowhead? Um, I, right now, we don't have anything in the five year because we still we we have a number of years left on our lease, you know, currently. So we don't have anything in our five year right now. Well, we'll talk, the correct answer. We will, we will talk in a few years about the ten year uh, plan. Should be fun. But uh, Dan, my last question, nothing to do with business, uh, is really what's the outside of kind of work or or even you know wife for kids, what's the coolest thing you've ever done? What's been your favorite life experience? That's a, that's a tough question. Um, you know, I probably, for, to most people, I probably lead a boring life. So <laughs> I probably don't have one of those, like, uh, you know, hike to Mount Everest type stories, sure. you know. But, um, you know, for me, fun, fun stuff for me is horseback riding. I used to have a horse when I was a kid. Uh, I've gotten to ride. Um, you know, different horses, different places, um, you know, like wherever I go, I try to ride. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so like last summer I was in the Badlands and I went riding in the Badlands. Awesome. Um, you know, when I was a kid, I got to meet Ar Arnold Schwarzenegger. I got to, to meet Lou Ferrigno, you know, back when those guys were in their heyday. Because uh -huh. um, my dad was a bodybuilder, so he introduced me to him. So that was pretty cool. Um, you know, and, and kind of work-related, uh, something that I never thought I would be doing is every year I get to uh, be a judge in the uh, cheerleader auditions. <laughs> so <laughs> never thought that that would happen, but I've been asked, and I didn't think I was going to be asked back, and here I am 12 years later. They Auditing keep the procedures. <laughs> yep, there it is. There it is. Well, hey, on behalf of the J. Regan Co. Distillery, uh, Emprise Bank, the Let It Fly Media Studios, and Swell Spark, I'm so grateful that you spent some time with us this morning um, talking about the Chiefs, uh, organization that we all know and love. Wish you the best of luck in uh, hopefully some some rest and relaxation here coming up, uh, you know, this summertime, but a uh, great rest of the season as well, and look forward to how Kansas City continues to grow and love the Chiefs. Well, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure to be here with you guys.